Hey guys, good morning, happy new year, great to be here, honored to be able to hang out with you a little bit this morning, let me open my uh, notes up here a little bit, my Bible. Anybody here last month, I guess three weeks ago, my dad spoke, that was incredible, I, I don't often get to get to these and I, I showed up here last month because he was here, I sat right down here thinking, my dad might be the manliest man I've ever known. You think about that when you're following somebody like that, you know? Uh, what, what stories do I have? I sit here and I listen to him tell his stories about hunting and football and beating people up. I know it's... <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know every son thinks his dad's a tough guy, but my, literally, my dad might be the toughest man alive. I, it's just... So I was thinking about that, uh, you know, how do I, man, what, what do I have to show? I'm speaking to men, what, what, what manly stories do I have in, in my life? I, I was racking my brain this morning at 4.30, I woke up thinking about what could, I, what could I share to just, I don't know, prove that I'm a man. And so I thought about some of the stories of my life. I, I thought about sharing the time when, you know, I, I hunted down a, a gorilla with, uh, nothing more than a kite string and a roll of quarters. I, I thought about sharing that story. I, I thought about sharing the time when I, I played Michael Jordan one-on-one and lo- lost by two, but he said I was the best he'd ever played. I, I thought about sharing that story. <laughs> I thought about sharing the time that I, just a couple years ago, I entered the strong, world's strongest man competition, but I had to pull out uh, because I tweaked my shoulder, but I was uh, the dark horse. I was, uh, I was on the inside track to win that thing. I thought about sharing all those stories, um, but then I decided I didn't want to brag. I'd rather not uh, share my highlights, just be humble. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm not going to tell you any of those stories. And uh, I want to share with you something that, um, that I feel like uh, God's been speaking to me. Really, it's been what I think God's been speaking to me for about the last decade of my life. Um, this is challenging, I'm not going to lie to you, um, but it's been what God has been speaking to me about for a long time. I think it's really the key issue with every one of us. I think every single man, I think every single woman, honestly, but we're just talking to men here this morning, I think all of us deal with this issue in some way or another at some point in our lives. I think it's the central issue of life and it's one I bump into over and over and over again. To be honest with you, it's, it's really what I try to preach just about every single week. And uh, I was reading through my Bible reading plan this year, and I came to the book of, of Haggai. Uh, don't normally read the book of Haggai. wouldn't normally find myself there, but I did because um, my Bible reading plan took me there. And um, I'm reading through this, and this story just stands out to me. The book of Haggai uh, tells the story of the prophet Haggai. Um, The people of Israel, the, the, the Jewish people had returned back to Israel. They had been in captivity for a long time and they had come back. They were rebuilding their city. Jerusalem had been, um, uh, sacked, so to speak. The walls have been torn down. If you've read Ezra, Nehemiah, you know, the story of the rebuilding of the wall. It's a little bit more popular story. Um, gets shared a lot. But Haggai's story happens just after those stories. They get the wall rebuilt and they were also meant to rebuild the temple. The temple had been destroyed. 
But they started work on the temple and then they, they stopped. Work had kind of stalled out, as it were. And so God sends Haggai, this prophet, to his people to give them a challenge. And as I was reading through this, it was just extremely personal for me. I wrote this down in my, my journal here, started just writing some thoughts and notes. And when it came time to think about what I was going to share for this, I just thought I'd share with you what God was doing in me. It's generally what I do is I just think what, whatever God's saying to me is probably worth passing on. So I'll read to you from Haggai. We're going to read uh, probably the first 13 verses or so. Uh, we'll work through those, but I'll, I'll just start in verse one. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. When God speaks to you, uh, he often sends a person. I think that's the first thing that we see here. God's wanting to speak to his people. He's got something to say. He sends the prophet Haggai. When God wants to speak to you in your life, he generally will send a person to you. He'll send a prophet, a prophetic voice. And generally what the prophetic voice comes to tell you is uh, return to the Lord. That's what the prophets did in the Old Testament. Over and over and over again, we see that prophets would step up in front of the people and they would call them back because people's hearts tended to drift. We're in a return to the Lord season right now as a church. Honestly, I don't know that it's just us as a church. I just think it's us as a people after the holiday season, after all of kind of everything that happens with family and parties and just all the busyness and time off. And, you know, just it, it's a good season. But generally what I find is that Jan January is a return to the Lord season. And I think God sends us prophetic voices in these return to the Lord seasons to challenge us to call us to a deeper level of commitment, to call us to um, uh, refocusing our priorities, to challenge us about what's really most important. God's set prophetic voices in your life. When we think of a prophet, I know oftentimes we think of somebody who knows the future, somebody who can predict the future, but that's not really what all a prophet does. Yes, there are prophetic voices who can see into the future of God's plan and speak about that, but often a prophet is just someone who's stepping up, calling us and challenging us to remember our priorities, to remember what's most important. God wants to set prophetic voices in your life, and here's what I can tell you. You will be shaped by the most influential voices in your life, by the loudest voices in your life. Your 2019, your future will be shaped by the loudest voices that you allow into your life. Who are the loudest voices in your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? For many of us, I know that honestly, the loudest voices that we have are culture, media. Maybe it's a radio show. Maybe it's a podcast that you listen to. Maybe it's not all bad, but I can tell you that whoever the loudest voice is, that's the, that's the voice that will shape you the most. God wants to send prophetic voices into your life to speak to you. Are you allowing those voices in? Are you strategic about allowing godly friendships into your life, people that can speak to you? Can I tell you, over the years, one of the most prophetic voices in my own life has been my wife. Honestly, my wife has had to tell me a lot of things that I didn't want to hear, but God uses her 
as a prophetic voice in my life because she knows me better than anybody else. Who are the prophetic voices in your life? Who are the people that challenge you? Do you lean into those voices or do you kind of keep them at, a, at an arm's length? God sent Haggai the prophet to speak to his people, to challenge them. And look at what he says. It says this in verse two, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They had returned from Babylon where they had been in captivity. They had rebuilt the wall, but they got going a little bit on the work of the temple and they said, all right, we're done for now. We've got other things, other priorities that we want to put in place. Uh, we'll, we'll finish the temple later. This is really, quite frankly, just not the best time. Can I tell you as a pastor, this is a, a common reason I hear from a lot of different people as to why we're not serving right now. Well, it's just not the best time. This is not yet the best time for me to get involved. This is not yet the, the best time for me to be in a small group. Can I tell you, it's never a good time to put God first. Never. There's never a convenient time to put God first in your life. It'll always be uncomfortable. It'll always be uh, inconvenient. There are always reasons why now is not the time to really get deeply involved. And I'm not just talking about getting deeply involved in the church. I'm not just talking about working and serving around here, although I think that's important. I think that has a big part to play in spiritual development. But I'm just talking about following God, putting him first, being in a small group, can't tell you how many people were like, man, I'd love to be a part of one of those real Jesus groups. I, I run into this all the time. And I'm going to tell you, especially with men, oh man, I hear what you're doing with, with those real Jesus groups. I love that. It's just not a great time right now. My kids are in this activity, that thing. I, I just, I don't have the time for it. Right now, it's just not the best time. It's never the best time. It's never the best time to put God first. It will always be a sacrifice. And that's what God is sending Haggai to his people to challenge them with is to realign their priorities. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet and he asked this question. And this, when I read this, it just really hit me because this is really, like I said, what God's been challenging me with for the last 10 years. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Haggai the prophet steps up and he says, by the word of the Lord, he says, is it time for you to be building your own house while my house lies in ruins? The question I came here to ask you this morning was this, whose house are you building in 2019? Whose house are you building in 2019? Is it your house or is it God's house? Haggai the prophet shows up to challenge his people to say, put my house first. Notice he doesn't say, hey, what are you doing building your own house? 
He's not challenging them to say, you're not allowed to have your own house. You're not allowed to have your own business. You're not allowed to have your own thing. He's just challenging the priority with which they're placing their house over God's house. Whose house are you building in 2019? This has been a huge issue for me in my life because for a long time, in fact, I would say for the majority of my life, I was building my house. Graduated high school, went straight to work here at the church. Didn't know exactly what I was going to do with my life. My dad gave me an opportunity. Started in landscaping, then worked in the TV department, Did uh, got into graphic design. That's how Johnny and I got connected. I worked with Johnny for a couple of years, learned a lot. Uh, did graphic design for a while. Did a lot of different things for a while at the church. Got into youth ministry a little bit. But I, can I tell you, for all that time, I mean years of working here, I was building my own house. Yes, I was serving God. Yes, I was working at a church. Yes, I was technically in ministry. But truth be told, I wasn't building God's house. I was using God to build my house. My priorities were not for God. My dream, my desire was not for God, not for God's glory. My heart was really to use God to be as good as I could be here, work hard, do a good job, but to earn as much as I could, build as much as I could, and be as successful as I could. Not really for God, for me. In the movie Amadeus, I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. It's a great movie. It tells the story of Mozart. I happened to watch it recently. And at the beginning of the movie, there's a, a character, one of the central characters of the movie. I, I forget his name. He's an Italian composer. And, and he makes a deal with God. I think it's a deal that's not too uncommon for a lot of us. I don't think we do it quite ex as explicitly as he did. But there's a moment where he decides he wants to be a musician. This is the deal that he makes with God. He says, I will be the best musician that I can. I will spread your fame. I will write songs about you. I will do all of this if you will give me the gift of music, if you will make me famous beyond my years so that when I am dead, people will remember me. They'll know my name. I'll give you all of my chastity, he says. I'll give you all of my effort. I'll give you all of my best days. If in return, you'll give me something. I want to be successful. Truth be told, I think that's how a lot of us approach God. We see it on an exchange basis. I'll work as hard as I can, God, if you'll make me successful. And rather than working for God's kingdom, we're working for our own. We're building our own kingdom. Haggai the prophet comes to God's people and he says, whose house are you building? Whose house are you building? Are you building my house or are you, are you building your house? Is it right for you to live in a nice house? Is it right for you to be building your own kingdom? Is it right for you to put all this time and effort into your thing while my house lies in ruins, while our spiritual house lies in ruins? And for me, this was the case. I was putting all this effort into, into building my own kingdom while my spiritual house lies in ruins. My marriage was a mess. Secretly, I had a porn problem going on in the background. My wife and I were drifting apart. This, just this Christmas, my wife took all of our old videos, our old, uh, I don't know, these little, I don't even know what you call them, these little, little, 
tapes that you used to have to shoot, you know, in your camcorder, little tapes. We had a box of those because nobody uses them anymore. And we don't even have any machine to play them on. So we had a box of these things that we hadn't watched in years. And so she took all those and sent them off to some company. And on Christmas Eve, that was one of the presents we opened up. Uh, we, we do our Christmas, our presents on Christmas morning, but Christmas Eve, she had us open up that and we pulled it out. And inside this big box is a little tiny uh, thumb drive. And we popped it in and we watched all of these old videos. And it was awesome to see my kids when they were younger. But can I tell you, it was, ext- it was painful for me. Sitting there watching footage of me from a decade ago, going, my God, what kind of dad was I? What kind of husband was I? Listening to myself talk, just wanting to jump through the screen and choke myself. Shut up. Stop being so uptight. Chill out a little bit. Stop being so selfish. Whose house are you building? Whose house are you building? God got a hold of me. He sent to me a prophet, a prophetic voice in my life. His name in my life was Tim Keller. Pastor Keller is, uh, was a pastor in New York. I started listening to his sermons and started changing little by little. My heart was changed, but it took a long time. But it was essentially over this idea, whose house are you building? Whose glory are you working for? And here's what the prophet says, or God says through the prophet, is he says, consider your ways. You know, we get so busy, I don't know that often we have time to think about what really we're doing. Do we really think about what we're building? Often we don't pause. That's what we're here to do this morning. That's why I love events like this, because we have opportunity to pause and say, what are we building? What are we really working for? And here's what he says. He says, you've sown much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns does so, wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. This was my life. I worked, but it was never enough. I never found satisfaction. I never found peace. I never found real joy. Everything that I was doing was just fleeting because I was building my house. Haggai goes on to say in verse seven, thus says the Lord of hosts, he says it again, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. I want you to think about this. This is God talking. I blew it away. You worked but I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins? While each of you busies himself with his own house? Therefore the heavens above you have withheld their due, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills and on the grain and the new wine, the oil, and on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. God says this, look, when you put your house first, you not only, not only are all your own ways futile, but he says, I'm against you. I can't think of a scarier thing than to have God as an enemy. But when we put our own self first, when we put our own kingdom ahead of God's kingdom, God says, I stand against you. I'm working against you. Why? 
Is it because God's so petty that he's trying to pay you back, that he's upset with you, that he's mad at you, that he wants to hurt you? No, it's because he loves you. And he's hoping to show you that whatever you're investing in isn't going to bring you the satisfaction and the fulfillment that he can. He's not saying, don't build your own house. He's saying, build my house first. The, 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 the moral of the story, the lesson of the story, the principle of the story, if you will, is God is saying, take care of my house and I'll take care of yours. Put my house first. Look at what he says. He says, go up into the hills and bring wood and build the house. Why? That I might take pleasure in it and that I will be glorified. John Piper wrote something about this. I thought it was powerful. He said this, both then and now, the real problem is not the neglect of a building, but indifference to the glory of God. The temple of the Old Testament existed for the glory of God, and the church today exists for the glory of God. Indifference to the growth and spiritual prosperity of the church and its mission is always a sign of a failure to love the glory of God. And the sour fruit of this failure is a life full of chronic frustration. Whose house are you building? Whose house are you building in 2019? There's a story at the end of, at the, end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's in Matthew 7. Jesus comes to the end of his teaching and he talks about two guys building a house. You remember this story? One builds his house on the sand. The other builds his house on a rock. And he says, a storm comes blows against both of the houses. One falls, great is its fall. What's the problem? The problem is not that two guys built houses. The lesson of the story is not that you should, have, that you should never have built a house. The lesson of the story is that you built a house in the wrong place. And externally, it would all look very much the same. Two guys building houses. The foundation is hidden. You don't know what lies beneath the surface. I can't judge what's going on in your life. I can't tell by the external trappings of what's happening in your life where you're building your house. That's something between you and God. It's a heart check. And I think it's a heart check that we need to have regularly because can I tell you, the human heart is an idle factory. It is consistently looking for ways to justify itself outside the glory of God. It's consistently looking for ways to prove itself outside the glory of God. It's a regular check. That's why we need regular prophetic voices in our life saying, hey, where are you building your house? Whose house are you building this year? It all looks the same from the outside, but what's happening internally? Whose house are you building? And here's what the prophet says, or here's how the story ends. It says this, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, look at this, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And then I love this. It says, And the people feared the Lord. That means they got their priorities straight. That means they said, all right, we're putting you first. Then Haggai, 
the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. And he said this, I am with you, declares the Lord. What's God saying? Take care of my house. I'll take care of yours. Build my house. I'll build yours. It's not wrong to have a business. It's not wrong to be successful. It's not wrong to want to be successful. That's not the message of the story. The message of the story is who are you doing it for? Whose glory are you seeking? Whose name are you trying to build up? Whose fame are you working for? Where are your priorities? Whose house are you building in 2019? Because you can work at a church, you can serve at a church, you can be at a church every single week, you can even preach from the stage. And let me tell you, your heart can be misaligned from the glory of God, from seeking his house. My prayer for all of us as we enter this new year is that we would put God's house first. How do we do that? Well, we got 21 days of prayer coming up here in a week. Just a little, actually a little less than a week. It starts on Monday. We'll have 21 days of prayer and our 21-day challenge. There's fasting that's gonna go as a part of that. You have an opportunity to begin your year by putting God first, by seeking him first. Some of you, I need you to lead real Jesus groups this semester. I, could really, we, man, I, I can't tell you how many people came through the Real Jesus Weekend and their lives were forever changed. I would love to have, we need more leaders. We need more men gathering people around them, friendships around them saying, hey, let's go through this together. Let's, let, let's do this study together over the course of this semester. Uh, these are ways that we could put God first. Some of you, you're not serving at the church. You're not a part of what we're doing week in and week out. You're not a part of helping us reach people. There are opportunities to do that. You've never been through the next move. That's a way that you could put God first. Whose house are you building in 2019? Because I'm confident of this. You put God's house first and he will take care of your house. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for loving us enough to challenge us. I know, Lord, this is a challenging word. It's not the easiest thing to hear. Uh, but Lord, we need to hear it because uh, we often seek to build our own kingdom. We often try to be our own savior and Lord by being successful uh, by building an empire, by building a company, by, by uh, earning, by, by uh, achieving some measure of success. Lord, we don't want success apart from you. In fact, right now, Lord, we just purpose here and now to put you first like never before this year, to build your house, to be about your glory, your purpose, your leading. We wanna serve you. We wanna work for you. We wanna be about your kingdom. Your kingdom come in 2019 at Church on the Move. Your will be done. Lord, we bow our knee to you. We submit to you and we call you Lord. We're not living our life and having you help us out. Lord, we're a part of your story. We exist for your glory, your honor, your kingdom. 
in Jesus' name. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads and guides us, uh, who gives us steps that we could take this year to follow you, to be more closely aligned with you and your heart. That's what we want this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.